Back to normality. Welcome to Hand of Pod. Sixty-six of Hand of Pod. No interviews this week, just a normal recording uh, with us sitting around in Dan's living room. You might hear a very low-level hiss in the background because the oven is on at the moment, but uh, hopefully that will drown out when I'm asked real. We have to eat, basically. Exactly. I make no apologies. Um, and nor should you. Um, I'm joined by Dan, as you've just heard. Hello. And Andres. Hello, welcome. And I've just realised... That I have forgotten to tweet the fact that we are recording and ask for questions. So let's very quickly do that, if anybody's actually on Twitter anymore. Because it doesn't work for anybody, apparently, these days. It's um, fun for me, I must admit. Um, I'm not an avid 24-hour-a-day user, but... The real guitar, yes, it's... Yeah. Like, the first day this limit thing came in, I had a bit of trouble getting tweets on my phone, but then after that... I haven't reached the limit yet, apparently, which I've I think speaks better of me than possibly of Twitter. I've not been affected by the limit at all. No, I haven't seen anything about it. It doesn't seem to affect it if you just scroll the timeline. I'm guessing it's just if you actually click the tweet to read, maybe? Yes, if you scroll, right. you, there's yeah. a thing there. So, yeah. I mean, and that's a lot of things to Exactly, yeah, I'd, press. I'm not interested in that much stuff, so... Let alone, what is it, like 6,000 if you're silly enough to pay for Six, Twitter? 600 likes will be a good limit. Yeah, I haven't liked that many things in my entire life. <laughs> anyway. On and off Twitter. Um, I'm just going to tweet this now. Any oh bloody hell? Any questions for us? Question mark and then delete the typos because autocorrect does what it wants when I'm typing. Proofread and tweet. If you two could retweet that, then that would be lovely. Um, so then, right, what's happened since we last recorded? The first thing to say is that when I arrived today, Dan asked why we'd changed dates. Uh, the reason for that was that I'd completely forgotten that we said last week that we'd record again on Friday, <laughs> uh, because there are matches still going on now, on Thursday. But, having said that, I'm probably going to be too busy to record tomorrow evening anyway, so... You actually did me a favour, Sam, because um, Anna was going to go out with some of her friends, because we were going to record, she turned it into a mummy and kid night. So I get the night off. Oh, brilliant. Wonderful. Well, you're welcome. Brilliant how things work out sometimes. Indeed it is. Um, so the matches that have taken place since we last recorded, there are lots of them. There's uh, a lot. You might remember that Platense versus Lanús, was that happening while we were last recording? Maybe? Or happened right after? Um, I think, no, I think it just... 30th. It was just about to kick off, right? It was no, a, Vélez, Arsenal and Atletico Tucumán and Union were about to kick off, I think. Pladense, yes, Lanus was, was the early kick-off, which yeah, finished uh, just before we started recording. So that was a 1-0 win for Lanus. Atletico Tucumán beat Union 1-0 and Vélez beat Arsenal 1-0. Barracas Central ensured that we are still talking about a title race right mm. now 
by beating Rebad Plate 2-1. Um, we'll get Andres' thoughts on that in the a bit. The call from Mauro Painipil. Yeah, that's... Mm. You... There were 11 <laughs> players... Uh -huh. 11 players to score a goal and there was Painipil. Yeah. Um, San Lorenzo beat Rosario Central 1-0. Estudiantes in Central Cordoba drew 1-1. Tacheres and Godoy Cruz drew 1-1. So Rivers slip up not fully punished there, although San Lorenzo have reinserted themselves back into what passes for a title race. <laughs> um, in fact, having said that, I've just remembered that, yeah, Lanús definitely did get that win just before we started recording, because we were discussing last week how Lanús had leapfrogged San Lorenzo temporarily, didn't we? Um, Independiente beat Huracán 1-0 in Avellaneda. Colón lost to Racing 4-0, yes, you mm -hmm. heard that correctly, in Santa Fe. Instituto got a 1-0 win over Belgrano in one of the Clásicos Cordobeses. Uh, Banfield beat Argentinos 1-0. Defensa y Justicia beat Tigre 1-0. Boca Juniors beat Sarmiento 2-0. And Newell's old boys and Gimnasia drew 2-2. And so far in this midweek round, Laos have again been involved in a 1-0 away win. But whereas they got the 1-0 away win last Friday... Um, on the 4th, which was Tuesday, they lost 1-0 at home to Vélez Sarsfield. Two wins in a row for Vélez. Yeah. Mm. Great guns. Godoy Cruz beat Platense 2-1 in their own stadium. I keep forgetting that Godoy Cruz are playing a lot of games in their own stadium mm. now. And every time I switch a Godoy Cruz game on, I go, they're playing in their own stadium. Seems to be working for them, because they've very low-key had yeah. a bit of a season. Mm, indeed. Tigre versus Banfield and the 2-1 to Banfield. Rosario Central drew 0-0 at home to Estudiantes. Racing, who have the joint worst defensive record in the league, which is something that, for all of Dan's complaints about Racing so far this year, we've somehow managed to overlook, um, were 1-0 up and suffered the indignity of conceding a goal to San Lorenzo for a 1-1 draw in the Cilindro. River beat Colón 2-0 in the Monumental. Arsenal... Uh, versus Defensa y Justicia finished 2-1 to Defensa y Justicia in a match that, as Andres pointed out just before we started recording, kicks off at 2 o'clock on a Thursday afternoon. Um, because if you're going to do that to any team, then it may as well be the team whose crowds aren't going to be affected in the slightest by that. Mm -hmm. Union versus Boca just ended like an hour ago, 0-0. And currently underway are Sarmiento versus Tacheres, which is 1-0 to Tacheres at half-time. And Argentinos versus Instituto, which is nil-nil at half time. Still to come this weekend Mid week. week. Um, uh, two matches later on this evening: Huracan versus Atlético Tucumán and Belgrano versus Barracas Central. If I remember later on, then I shall of course record the scores of those and stick it in after the full time music. But I'm not going to promise anything. And on Friday evening, Gimnasia versus Independiente and Central Cordoba versus Newell's Old Boys. So, in fact, if we had recorded tomorrow, there would still have been matches going on then as well. Um, so, if my calculations... Sorry to keep going sorry. down, but immediately after that, round 24 begins on Saturday. So, there are no days off. Obviously, clubs will get days Sunday, off. Sunday is off because of the holidays here. It's 9 of July. Yes. Yes, of course. Uh, ooh, although, this has got matches scheduled on Sunday. Yes. Hmm. I heard that AFA has uh, didn't schedule matches on Sunday because of that. SofaScore reckons there are five games on Sunday, but we'll see what happens. We'll, we'll Google that a bit later and find out what's going to happen. Dan, what were you going to say? Just following on from that, so it's quite opportune. Now, 
I was going to say, from last Friday, which was June the 30th, mm-hmm. we have one, two, three, four... Oh yeah, because there were no... Ma- uh, five, six, seven, eight... No gaps between these two rounds, I've just read out. Either, Nine, <coughs> ten, eleven, twelve consecutive days of Liga Profesional football. Mm. There is indeed a full programme on Sunday. Ah, uh, yes. So, football, 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 you cannot get away from the football. Mm. It's quite unusual they've got matches on the 9th of July, though. Normally they would, as Andres says, there'd normally be a gap there. I feel like they're just in a rush to, 25th of May, to well. finish this, right? Yeah. We've already had a case where, because the 1st of July has come and gone, lots of teams have lost about half their squads in, to in fact, um, good, yes, expired contracts. In fact, something good to talk about, I think, is the something that happens usually in Argentina, but is surprising even so, that the... the the league finishes after the the season ends, which means that a lot of players leave their clubs. Yeah. Uh, the 13th of June, of June, and they continue playing in the league. That's something that, for example, happened to Cologne. Mm. Um, a team which was not good, and with the with these these things uh, are even worse uh, because they have less players. Right. Mm. So that's that's why we've seen some rather sharp differences in form. Um, I think that we'll begin, it's probably going to be quite brief, but as you mentioned while I was reading the scores out, that Vélez have managed back-to-back wins um, for the first time in a long, The entire season. Long that was un- this is only their fourth and fifth win of the season. The last time they did this, not counting their uh, friendlies in late December and January, which they won all of, um, but the last time they did this was their final competitive game of 2022, which was a 3-1 win over Central Cordoba, and their first competitive game of 2023, which was a 3-1 win over Gimnasia mm. um, on the 30th of January. So the 30th of January was the last time that Vélez were able to say that they had won their two previous matches. Um, and they've now done it in early July. So congratulations, Vélez. Did either of us, did any of us catch either of those matches? <coughs> I didn't. I was having a, well, actually, we might have had the first half of Vélez Arsenal on after we recorded last uh, week. We but definitely yeah. had Vélez Arsenal on here, Three either during or, or after that, recording. Like, what it's funny about Vélez is that uh, it looks like uh, some, sometimes this happens when the coach leaves. Well, in fact, Gareca mm. left, but uh, after Gareca left, Prato left the club. Apparently because he had some problems with his teammates and with the board members. And he finally left uh, and after that, Vélez improved. Mm. Yeah. Um, it's two out of two though for El Gachero Mendes, Sebastián Mendes, who, yes. uh, who drove from Muñón. Controversial move that we yeah. talked about very briefly last two week. Two from two or two from three? Let me just check. Two from three, yeah. Two from two. Mm. Yes, he took, he took charge... Just ahead of the Arsenal game, yeah. Uh, last, like the, I think the day before we recorded last week, something like that. Something like that, yeah. Obviously, the big news from the title race point of view is that, as I said, we still, technically speaking, have a title race. Mm-hmm. Tacheres are currently winning. If they win that match, then with twelve points to play for, uh, they will be eleven. No, they won't. They'll be nine points behind River, and that was thanks to. Uh, 
I kind of half watched one of the replays of this match, having missed it live, and um, thought, yeah, yeah, Barakas did well for you know compared with what we were expecting to happen. They uh, seem to to take the game on, yeah. Like, calling it like a, a deserved win on on the basis of who dominated the game and stuff, you'd be a little bit hard pressed to maybe. But in mm. terms of the standings of the of the two teams and the strengths and stuff, they played a very intelligent game. I thought yeah. from from what I saw. Um, Andres, what did you? Well, Real played it like uh, like if if they lost it, it was well, it's okay. We have ten points, are ten points ahead Tacheres. And since the Michelis changed almost all all the team, the whole team, mm. and included some weird things like, for example, a, a, a five men back or three slash five men yeah. with Maidana, Shonda Maidana, thirty eight years old, as one of the of the centre backs, or stop or or the libero, the sweeper. Yeah. Salomon uh, Rondon started a match. And Borja both. Yeah, double so. nine, double number nine, uh, which you are telling the your rival that hey, look, I will send crosses to them for them because you are playing with uh, men with, with uh, strikers who are like not very move, uh, dynamic, and you, they are they are stay, static in the mm. in the box, and well, as a result, we were, uh, I mean, I mean, I, I I guess they 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 were training with this formation, but anyway, it's a it was a whole new formation. Almost all all the players, the substitutes, who didn't uh, haven't been playing a lot clearly. Uh, I think it was the, the intention for the Michelis was also to 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 see in a, in a, in a three points match in a professional professional match whether he's good with the squad he has or not. Mm. I mean, and he proved he he, he doesn't have the the. the a, a, a big squad, or I, I mean, the, a, a even level between the, the the main players and the substitutes, the ones who are in the bench clearly notice. And and if they don't play, it's, of course the gap is even higher because or bigger. And then if you put, if you, I mean, I I don't like Elias Gomez the way he's playing, but I understand that if he plays one match and the other four he doesn't play any minutes, well, I can't. Pretend for him to be like Enzo Diaz. Yeah, yeah. You need a run in the team to to get some form up, don't you? On a related note, the famous hand of Pobet is now Rondon's to win because Paulo Guerrero has cut ties with uh, Ras. He just played for them yesterday. Yeah, but he's gone. Did I imagine him coming off the bench? He definitely the played, yeah. Um, but now he's gone. Oh wow! He went back to the club today to pick up his things, and he's rescinded his contract. You heard it here first, or? I mean, yeah. they might not have done. I heard it here first. After a princely three goals in 21 games. Mm. Exactly the same amount of goals that Rondon has made and scored at the moment. And they are quite, quite yes. similar in their, in their yes, performances. I mean, uh, uh, I, I, I was joking with, with Dan, not so joking. That, well, they, they could live together. The same amount of goals, same amount of minutes they have played. Mm. Perhaps it's a good idea for them to... Uh, in the case of both players also, they have strikers ahead of them who are scoring more than them. Uh, Maximiliano Romero in the case of Racing and uh, well, Bertrand in the case of River. I feel like Guerrero could have done something really good for Racing because he had his moments. It was just so fucking slow. Mm. Like you could tell, you know, his physique, his knees, whatever, have just been well. I think decimated. They just no life in him whatsoever. But I think when Rondon first signed, I, I was quite. Uh 
excited about what a you know relatively recently active Premier League striker would do in this league as well. Mm. But I've since heard um, from a West Brom fan who sort of friend of a friend of a friend uh, that he was apparently pretty immobile for West Brom for quite some time before yeah. he left them as well. Um, so yeah, you know both of them were arriving with obviously issues. Rondon had at least played a bit of football in like the twelve months before joining River, whereas Guerrero. Had an injured for absolutely ages, if, wasn't it? Whether he will have a proper but, um, precision or not, yeah. we will have to see that. Mm. And whether what happens after that, because of course, if if clearly Lucas Beltran is now the the man who scores, and 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 uh, uh, behind the Beltran is worth, I think, and Rondon is in the third way position. And um, if the Michel plays with like like yesterday with uh, only one striker, uh, or at least a pure striker. Well, yes, it will be very hard for him. Yeah, so yesterday, uh, or Wednesday, because this will probably go online on Friday, um, River picked themselves up from that with a 2-0 win at home to Colón, thanks to a fantastic free kick from Nicolás de la Cruz in the first half, and a close-range finish from Lucas Beltrán. I was at the stadium. Uh, finally, I could get a ticket. Congratulations. After man. three months, uh, approximately, and uh, incredibly or mysteriously, well, I was in the high stance, so I couldn't uh, uh, watch whether it was a foul or not what Barco received from con uh, the, the defender of Cologne. Mm. After that, it was the, the, was that, that incredibly or magnificent uh, uh, free kick from De La Cruz. And I, I, well, I will watch it. I said I watch it later on TV on the on the summer, uh, the, the the place the more, the highlights of the of the match. And the foul is not shown. Only the start, oh, well. the, only the free kick. So I can I, I I still don't know whether it was a foul really because the Cologne yeah. were uh, players were massively uh, uh, complaining to Ramirez the, the referee who I don't know whether even his name I mean Nicolas Ramirez yeah that's not a name I've come across before as referees go no he has ref twenty six matches it says well. <laughs> Uh, I said who? Ah, well, Nicolas Ramirez. And uh, uh, all of the players from Cologne were there to, to, to protest that that call. And after that was the, the, that free kick. Just looking down here, SofaScore provides a list of the matches that he's refereed. And he appears to have refereed three previous River games, I can see. He refereed River's 2-1 defeat to Banfield. Rivers 2-1 defeat to Arsenal, and Rivers 2-1 defeat to Tacheres. So, it's possible I'm overlooking one, but I think, and I remember back in the day when I started following Argentine football, uh, the newspapers and then a bit later on the blogs actually made a really big thing of this, like what is this team's record with this referee? <laughs> because it fed all the conspiracy theories. So maybe, you know, maybe he, he owed River a win, and that's why he gave it. Ah, uh, you're saying that he perhaps was saying, well, let's, let's turn around, around that. Yeah. That would certainly explain why he gave a free kick 30 yards from goal that was inevitably going to end up. Anyway, after that, after, after that foul or not foul he awarded for River, it was not good for both teams. No, it wasn't a great game. I watched it on telly and um, it was very... I mean, once River had the lead, it never looked like being anything but a river win and it was like well are they going to bother pushing much for a second goal I mean Colón weren't really able to offer very much 
No, well, Colón uh, was clearly defending from the first minute. Even it looks like the look like Julian Chico, I think he's the the goalkeeper of mm -hmm. Colón, was trying to lose lose time from the third minute, and uh, 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 losing time to to get the free kicks or or uh, I mean diving when he got the ball, like when you are uh, in the last minute of the match and you are winning and you want to. Yes, lose a bit of time. Well, at the third minute, was doing things like that, uh, and with things like I, I told you, I, I, I said uh, before that Colón has a squad which very uh, even less players than, than one week ago, mm. and uh, it uh, it shown a clear approach of well, try not to receive a lot of goals, and they 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 they, they achieved it because Guaracito. The, the, after the after afterwards said, well they didn't attack too much. I mean River had a lot of time the ball. They, of course, uh, I don't know seventy percent of the possession of the ball or sixty. Mm -hmm. I, I I I don't know, but clearly had the ball and but wasn't so easy for them to create a lot of chances. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Speaking of Colón and you know they they played fairly defensively and perhaps could be forgiven for that because against Racing in the previous match they were 3-0 down at half-time yes. in front of their own fans ended up losing 4-0 because Facundo Mura added to the scoreline it did take them pretty much the whole second half to get that fourth goal mm. down uh, but I'm assuming not too displeased with that uh, no although I will say I w there were two Racing games this week yes guess which one I watched, and guess which one I missed doing yeah. family stuff. Were you, were you at the uh, more disappointing of the two, by any chance? I didn't go in the end. I was going to, but then I uh, felt a bit crap yesterday. Um, I thought I'd take it easy because I had to work today as well. So well, I decided to watch it on TV. That's Probably saved Racing from defeat by doing that. Yeah. Um, but if, if you'd... I mean, obviously, I didn't ask you last week uh, because we're not really in the business of previewing very many matches here, unless they're classic goals occasionally. Um, but if I'd said to you last week, you know, how would you feel about four points from these upcoming two games? Happy enough, or not really? Because I'm not into shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, you say shit, but they're third in the table again now. Yeah, I mean, I think that says more about just this. Season to be honest. Um, what I will say is that Sam, I know you're um, you're very much a fan of symmetry, mm. so you'll get a kick out of uh, Racing's league record this season. Oh yeah! Oh, that is nice. Thirty-one points, Ooh. thirty-one goals for, thirty-one goals conceded, and then a palindromic eight seven eight in games won, drawn, and lost. Yes. Because we're British, we can do that. If we were American, then it would be eight eight seven, and it would be it wouldn't work. But uh, we're not Americans. So that's good. No. That's that's yeah. That's yeah. top class. And you mentioned um, at the start that Racing have the worst uh, defense in the league, but they do also have the third best attack in the league. I have to say they is... had the worst defense in the league during that match, but by virtue of the fact. That Arsenal. Uh, ah, there they are hiding down lost, at the Conceded two goals earlier on today. As we record now, Racing have only got the second worst oh. defence in the league because Arsenal have conceded 32 goals now. Haven't even got that to hang our hats on. No. Um, 
It's yeah. It's, I've said it many a time on on this podcast. It's just been that kind of season. Just nothing's really got going. Any momentum you get has just been thrown away by horrible matches. Uh, the last two home matches you've seen um, Leeds being thrown away in the last ten minutes against Barracas Central and now against San Lorenzo. Um, it was a better performance, I think, um, up until. I think it was about 40 minutes in, 35, when Gabriel Auche got sent off and then <laughs> Racing Luck was playing the rest of the game. Four, because I was kind of half watching it and I saw the red card come out after the bar check. And I, I was... He came in for a tackle, won the ball, but forgot to look where his standing leg was going, ah, with all which time. was directly onto a San Lorenzo defender's shins. Mm-hmm. So yeah, not much argument there. A um, couple of penalty calls for each team which um, uh, obliged both sets of fans to to denounce a fix but I think it's more a case that the referee was just incompetent uh, really really horrible all round refereeing display, display from Hernan Mastrangelo who has had a couple of stinkers already mm. um, it just, I just want this Season to finish, to be honest. Um, get these last few games out of the way, and then uh, Copa Libertadores is going to come along. And we can reveal, I'm sure, in the second half who exactly they and the other Argentine teams are going to be playing. So that's something to look forward to. Um, yeah, just make it up. It would be nice to get a couple more wins because I think if Racing can finish on about 36, 37 points, that will leave them pretty nicely poised to at least make a run for for the Libertadores places um, in the second half of the year in the uh, Copa Liga Profesional and you know after the season they've had that would be an absolute coup and just see um, what they do now as I mentioned Guerrero has, has packed up his bags and left uh, Matias Rojas has already left for uh, Corinthians even though the season hasn't ended um, there's another couple of players uh, Reniero I think is is gone. Um, she doesn't leave uh, Racing many options up front, considering Maxi Romero, whose loan has been extended um, from PSV till the end of the season to the unrestrained to the end of the del- Argentine season to the end of the year. Sorry, I mean at oh, the end of the year. Okay, the end of the year. So they've got the, the copper as well. Yes, brilliant. Like to the know. unrestrained delight of the entire Racing universe, as mm. you two heard from. Sever on Twitter on uh, WhatsApp. Um, he's injured now. <laughs> I think it's only a knock, but of course, yeah, he got injured yesterday. Didn't he? Yeah. Um, Cross knows who they're gonna put uh, put up front, but yeah, just get through these games. Gonna have to get a a striker of some type um, in the next few weeks. I think you can make five changes right from the. Uh, Group stage copper list to the knockout stage copper list. Possibly. I think. Oh, um, the Libertadores, sorry. Yes. I was thinking of copper. No, no, no. Nah, he can do whatever. whatever. Yeah, yeah, I think it's um, five changes stuff. They're going to want to make all of those five changes. <laughs> so, mm. you know, I'm not one to Good luck with that. To go out and demand transfers. Bye, 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 bye. It's not something I generally do, but this team needs, needs a, a makeover. Uh, some, I forgot to say something about the the, the match last night. 
uh, especially for the second goal scored by Beltran, in which there was a, a key member not inside the, ma the, 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 the match, the, the pitch, which was the goal, the, the, the ball keeper, the one who gives the ball and then get, uh, gives, the, gives it to the players. The ball girl, in fact. Girl, yes. Yeah. In this case, it was a girl, again, because some time ago there was a, another girl who was, of course, also key, mm. because she t gave the ball quickly to the, to the player who was in charge of the, of the, of the freak, of the throwing, and she did it again, it was an, uh, another girl in this case, yeah. she gave the ball to Casco, Casco quickly so they, uh, took the, the throw-in, then Nacho Fernandez, uh, as a first touch, uh, gave it to, to Beltran, Beltran scored, and the girl is Milagros Acevedo, it's, she's a member of the uh, reserves of the female squad. Ah. So he, uh, she's actually playing in the club, of course, in the reserves, but it's, it's good for them to to be part of that, and, and in fact, she was part of the celebration of the goal. Uh, oh, yes, of the, course. Yeah, the nice. players they took, 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 took her to be part of the... And then it's a key good thing, I mean, some details that sometimes are not uh, so important for, for media, but uh, in this case, it was really, really good. Mm. Indeed. Um, elsewhere... Oh, I've gone too far back. <laughs> went all the way out to today's matches. Uh, Boca, we've not talked about Boca at all yet on this episode. Um, so just to remind you what they did, first of all, they beat Sarmiento 2-0 in the Bombonera, and then they just... Drew with Union. Not very long ago at all, drew 0-0 with Union in a match that actually was the cause of a small delay in the beginning of recording this podcast, and which did not merit it. it no. Not a good game. Uh, Union, I think... Well, actually, I'm... I'm I'm going to say, I think, because I, I think this goes kind of beyond opinion. Union were unfortunate not to win it. From what I saw of it, yeah. Um, Un unfortunate slash wasteful. Considering Boca didn't master a single shot on target, mm. you can't say the same with Boca, that's for sure. Um, just the same kind of very Jekyll and Hyde stuff from Boca, not putting together any sort of um, momentum, similar to Arassi, really, in the league, you know, getting a Winning one, then drawing, then then losing. Um, just been that kind of stunted, very um, very sporadic season, I think, for Boca, even after Amiron came in. And uh, to his credit, I think things have improved. Not that they could get much worse. I think you have to take into consideration as well that Boca li almost literally don't have any strikers left. Um, I think I mentioned... Sebastian Vicha, obviously, yeah. he's gone in good riddance. Uh, Luca Langoni, rather more upsetly, got injured. Um, they're down to Miguel Menendiel, who's mm. all right, useful, but can't really carry a forward line on, on the zone. I don't think he, he can hold the ball up, he can play people moment. in, but if he doesn't have anyone to, to play in, yeah. it's going to be a tough he's, one. He's playing basically every match for them. Yeah, the, the most talented not, players... Are, are injured like Sebastius and Langoni, yeah. mm. um, and Marcos Rojo. Well, not not talented, but uh, not a striker either. No. But, uh, but it's not that doesn't hold Boca back. They've been playing uh, Valentin Barco on the left wing. That's true. Uh, so you know you may do what you got. But but it's it's some it's strange what is happening to him because he had to go to Miami to to check whether he can do with his injury. Because well, he was injured and he. 
recover, but then again, it's like uh, can't get out of the of that injury and mm. had to go to Miami. But uh, it's really, yeah, really, really strange for me. Yeah, had, just had to go to Miami. Oh, I'm sure. Got, got back from well, it really was. Oh, no, guys, you know yeah. what? I've, I've done it again. Yeah. I've pulled it. It's really love to stay in this yeah, sorry. horrible, humid, cold Argentine winter. But I've got to go to Miami, it's, you know. But he went a bit early because Messi is still not playing there. Mm. Oh. He's just there, missed though, isn't him. He? Well, maybe he's he must be. Like, Messi loves Miami. Yes, indeed. <laughs> just seeing, the, looking at the front three um, for Boca today, which was Barco, um, Cristian Medina, yeah. who is a very good player, but again, not a forward mm. in any interpretation of the the position, and Merindiel, who came off for um, Luis. I don't think he's ever scored a goal for Boca Vasquez. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. They're, they're struggling. Yeah. Up front. Luckily, you know, transfer season's coming. Who's who's the big name? Cavani, obviously. <laughs> mm. um, and Roger Martinez. That's another one. Um, so, yeah. yeah, one of them will um, definitely get some. And many, many more. I'm sure they um, I think on that note, we're going to take a half-time break. I just had to pause to burp there, because I've had a bit too much fun while I was talking. A bit too quickly. Um, we'll take a half-time break, and when we get back, as Dan has already kind of hinted, we're going to go through the draws for the Copa Sudamericana and Copa Libertadores knockout stage, because last week we reviewed the end of the group stage, and this week they've already done the draw, so we can yeah. talk about who's playing who, and uh, what that means. Well, it means a bunch of teams are going to be Playing, playing each other at football. Uh, and we'll find out who wins those matches when they're played, and we will tell you when that is. So for now, don't go away. to discuss the Libertadores and Sudamericana group stages in just a few minutes, but first of all, a story of earth-shattering importance, but which, at least yesterday, I didn't see reported in very many Anglophone um, football media things, not that I look for it particularly, but on Google News, all the headlines I saw for it on my Google News were the ones in Spanish by Argentine media, and I was kind of surprised. Carlo Ancelotti is going to be the manager of Brazil in a year's time. Uh, He has agreed with the CBF to take charge um, starting after the 2024 Copa America. In the meantime, Fernando Fernando Diniz is going to be taking charge of Brazil alongside the job that he is continuing to be in, which is Fluminense manager. Um, But Ancelotti becomes the first permanent foreign manager in Brazil's history. Um, Does that third, mean Argentina is the only South American nation not to have I think a so. foreign coach? I think it does. Or permanent foreign coach. I'm sure they had an Englishman or no, something. No, they have Really? Because um, yeah. I, 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 I looked this up at some point before they played each other in a yeah. World Cup qualifier or something. But Argentina have 
never been managed by a non-Argentine. Wow. Actually, that doesn't make sense. They must have been at some point. You're quite right when when the team was mostly made up of English people back in the 1890s or whatever. Keep um, talking and I will... Have a look at that, yeah, but they've certainly never been managed by a Brazilian. But one of the reasons that I wanted to bring this up on an Argentine football podcast is to point out that of Brazil's two previous, both very, very temporary um, managers to not be from Brazil, one of them was Argentine. Um, so the first was Jorica, a Portuguese guy who was in charge alongside Flavio Costa for two matches in 1944, uh, both of which were wins. And the second, and until now, most recent, well, until next year, in fact, most recent, foreigner to manage the Brazilian national side was Filipe Nunes, who was in charge of Palmeiras at the time, when Palmeiras were asked, I think, as reigning champions of Brazil. Oh, 65, actually, that would have been just before the national championship began there, because I think that started in 67, so no, not even as reigning champions. But for some reason, Palmeiras were given the job of representing the Brazilian national side in a match against Uruguay and because he was managing them at the time they just thought it was easiest to let him continue managing them for that one game um, they won 3-0 or 3-1 3-0 I think 3-0 uh, so he has a 100% record he's pretty much unknown in Argentina he's got a Spanish language Wikipedia page which is Jorreca doesn't the Portuguese blog um, but yeah, he managed, I think, pretty much his whole career in Brazil. And well, he's quite perhaps respected there, but. today is a bit more known, but if Ancelotti wouldn't have agreed to be the, the manager of Brazil, mm. uh, the Argentina manager who was the manager of Brazil 58 years ago would, would, have been, would be even less known. Yeah, I mean, I, I only knew about it because um, at some point when Argentina played Brazil in a World Cup qualifier, back when I was still writing um, about football, I was asked to do a sort of little historical nuggets kind of look at the history of the fixture and found it quite amusing that Brazil had been managed by an Argentine at some point. Dan, what have you found regarding Argentina having been managed by foreigners? Argentina have never been managed by an Argentine, but they have been managed by a a foreigner, by a Brazilian, but they have been managed by a foreigner. Uh Uh, one Filippo Pascucci. Ah, that's, this name does ring a bell. Italian? I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Chinese. When, when you read it, I realised that I have read this before. Yes. Probably while researching the same article. Um, born in Genoa in 19, on the 24th of June 1907. So he mm. shares a birthday, shared, I guess, with Messi and Riquelme. Of course. Yeah. Auspicious day for Argentine football, of course. Um, somehow made his way over to Argentina, was coach of Estudiantil Porteño Sportivo Barracas and River Plate. Uh, a perfectly normal coaching trajectory there. Yes. Um, and it says that given his good results in the national environment, he was contacted. Another fantastic name. This, this story is going to be peppered with fantastic names. He was contacted by Ernesto Malbec. Okay. <laughs> Director of the Argentine Football Association to lead the national team in the 1934 World Cup. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, In Italy is home nation. And with the host nation having pilfered most of Argentina's squad. Yes. Did Argentina play in the 1934? They played in 1934. They didn't play in 1938. That's right, yeah. 
Um, they went there in the Neptunia boat um, and were defeated in their debut by Sweden. Mm. Um, and Pascucci just never went back to Argentina, stayed oh, in Italy wow. afterwards. Huh. Uh, went on to coach Bologna and then the equally fantastically named Associazione Sportiva Dillantistica San Remese, who he got to the to Serie B, but didn't stay and was replaced by the Hunga the Hungarian Werb, apparently. I think the Hungarian. Um, oh, the the Hungarian manager. He was the Hungarian. Okay. Yeah, right. Um, after that, a few other jobs in Italy, in France, uh, until. On the 18th of December 1966, he had a heart attack while coaching the Pro Rico water polo team, where he worked as their fitness coach. Oh. On a plane trip back f- from Zagreb. Wow, that sounds like um, quite a life. Yes. That, that, that sounds like a really interesting biography, actually, if, if there were more detail on it. And then I the Wikipedia page that. does actually... it. Maintains that he was the only uh, foreign national to to coach Argentina, but yeah. the manager history has a Jose Lago Michan mm-hmm. marked between 1927 and 1928. So I'm thinking that must have been for some exhibition or friendly match of some kind. Just one match. Oh. I will tell you. Where is he from? Spain. Okay. Hmm. Let me see. Born in Spain. So he was born in Pontevedra in Galicia. Um, ah, and he was the coach of the national team in the 1927 Suramericana and the 1928. Olympics. Olympic Games uh-huh. and also oh, wow. coach in Boca. Oh, interesting. Okay. So apparently there's two. That's very good. Spanish mm-hmm. national and an Italian. So which... Brazil are going to overtake Argentina. Yes. Um, in terms of foreign people who have managed them, and I, with no disrespect, went to Pascucci or what did you say the other name was Mian. Michan. Oh. Um, probably massively overtake them in terms of um, fame of the foreign manager who is being who, who is managing them out of uh, reputation um, more seriously I want to talk about this because I just I, I feel like okay we're not a Brazilian football podcast obviously we can't go into an awful lot of depth on this but just South American it's Argentina adjacent mm-hmm. literally you see what I did there um, and it says something. I mean, it's one thing reading about these guys back in the 1920s or the 1930s who managed a couple of matches, or in Mian's case, a couple of tournaments uh, back before football turned professional here. It's another that Brazil, well into the 21st century, with the history and the tradition and the five World Cups that they like to remind us all the time that they've got, are appointing a non-Brazilian manager for, you know, actually the first time in their history because he's going to be the first permanent 
sole um, manager to to be in charge of Brazil, who is a Brazilian. I mean, what have you take over? Because I'm not sure what to say. It's just I I, I saw the headline yesterday and I was just staggered. Like, what? This is it's clearly that there is a crisis of managers. Anyway, I, I could ask, well, why don't they stick with Fernando Diniz? He said, I quit, good, good coach, he's been doing a great job, or at least a good job at, at Fluminense. But uh, in, in, uh, talking about Argentina, I, I, there is, of course, not a tradition of having a, lo a, a lot of coaches from Europe, but I, I, recently it was Pedro Caixinha at Tacheres. Mm -hmm. He left uh, yes. not so long uh, after. He, he, he became a coach, but uh, perhaps, yes, 50 years ago, 40 or even longer, there were Spanish coaches or it was something that uh, perhaps was uh, other, other times, but yes, it's, it's strange, not so, not so strange because of the name of the coach, because of course, who wouldn't want Carlo Ancelotti as a coach? I think that's it, I mean, that is the, the main point to take from this, like, Ancelotti is a fantastic, fantastic coach, and I think mm. getting him is a real coup for uh, for Brazil. You know, his it is, record in tournaments is second to none. He just seems like a genuinely great guy, great coach, and everyone just is really happy working for him. But it does feel as well that this is quite a long time coming because, um, you know, we always say just how unstable the coaching situation is in Argentina, um, like how precarious that line of work is, um, and in Brazil, it's Ten times worse, you know. Coaches getting sacked after three, four games. Just no patience or uh, or capacity to kind of develop as a coach, develop your own ideas. You know, you're plugged in. One week, you know, you're at Fluminense. The next week, you're at Menado. The next week, you go go down to Internacional, and then you have to go to Corinthians. Like all these different players, and you just have to sort of feel your way through. Mm. Um, and really, you know, you can see the difference. I mean. Argentina have so many coaches at the top level in Europe and, and across South America and, and in Brazil. They're, not, they're just not there. I mean, Tite was I mean, like the closest spent, they could get. It's not like we spent 12 and a half years praising Argentine's club's patience with their managers as well. No. <laughs> and yet they've still managed to produce more decent managers, yeah. more World Cup winning managers now than... Um, I mean, than Brazil have. Yeah, the there's just no one there for, um, for Brazil. I mean, who else could it be? You go for, I don't know, Mauricio Jamalio, mm. God knows where he is now, or perhaps retired. Mano Menezes, who already had the had a go and failed, and Kuka. It's just, yeah. it's these aren't people who are being chased across the world, you know, as, uh, as top coaches. No, it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. I mean, if nothing else, as... Somebody pointed out when I mentioned this on my WhatsApp trivia group. My is not my WhatsApp mm. trivia group, in case anyone's listening, but you know what I mean. The WhatsApp trivia group, the time parts of that I've mentioned before on this podcast. Uh, when I mentioned it there yesterday, someone pointed out that Ancelotti is probably the great manager. Yes, he mega stars. He will have. Oh yeah. He will have work to do because game. Brazil has. I don't know how many players they have, but it's huge amount, mm. of course. Yeah, um, yeah, and a lot of big egos, but he's you know he's managed for Real Madrid. Plus half the team is either right. Plus half the team either plays 
under him at Madrid or mm. has played under him at Madrid. Exactly, yeah. Um, and, you know, presumably the language isn't going to be a big problem. He seems to have picked it up quite well everywhere else he's worked, so probably be speaking fluent Portuguese already by the time he takes charge with a year's advance notice. Um, anyway, moving on now to the thing that we did tell you we were going to talk about. Uh, the Copa Libertadores and the Copa Sudamericana knockout stage uh, draws have been made. I was trying to get those words in the correct order before I continued talking. And they are as follows. In the Sudamericana... Oh, we mentioned this last week already, didn't we? Yeah, they're still not defined. We through the, sort of, the playoffs in the Sudamericana. So, in fact, let's just go with the Libertadores. The Libertadores knockout stage is as follows. Argentinos Juniors will be taking on Brazil manager... Diniz and Fluminense. River will play Internacional of Porto Alegre. Bolívar of Brazil will play Atlético Paranaense. Nacional of Uruguay will play Boca Juniors. All of these, by the way, the fixtures I'm reading out are the first leg fixtures, so reverse them um, for the second leg, obviously. Deportivo Pereira of Colombia will play Independiente del Valle of Ecuador in an all North South American clash. Atlético Mineiro will play Palmeiras in an all-Brazilian clash. Atlético Nacional will play Racing. Flamengo will play Olimpia. Oh, that's it. And then Fluminense will play Argentinos, but I've read that one out already because that was the first one. Um, gents, how, how are you feeling about your own teams? So, Andres, let's start As with expected, you. Boca has the to... easiest fixture, I think. Oh, you want to talk about Boca, OK. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well... Uh, how, how, how are we feeling about Boca, right? Nacional Boca, easiest? Well, if you talk about the previous, yeah, perhaps, okay. not, I, will, I, th- I don't think it will be that easy. Mm. But in the previous, if, if you talk about the general uh, draws, uh, I mean, River is against the Brazilian side. They have, for example, Inter has uh, Gabriel Mercado, the former River uh, right back. Yeah. Uh, Fabian Busto, the former Independiente right back, Argentinian, both. And they have just hired Ener Valencia, the Ecuadorian striker, oh. quite good striker. In the side, uh, I don't know a lot of things about Nacional, but of course it will be uh, hard because it's a Uruguay side and they also, they, they always put uh, something else in terms of the Garra Charruga. Mm. Uh, but yes, I think that the Argentinos Fluminense is hard also. Uh, well, Boca uh, rushing against Nacional uh, as a tradition is hard also side uh, from Colombia. Though, that, though Colombian sides aren't particularly strong at this point, I think. Um, and then, who else? Uh, River International, Boca, Boca Nacional. I've just realised that, um, and or, or I've just spotted on Sofa School, that uh, River and Boca are actually playing the, the teams from the same group. Uh, yeah, and just yeah, to counter a little bit Andres's self-pity, um, they were very uh, closely matched in the group. There's only one point between them, Internacional pipped them by, uh, by a single point. Yeah. Both of the games between the two teams ended in trust, so don't see how, how it's easier for Boca. Seems perfectly fair to me. Indeed, and in fact, this, the worst second-place side, i.e. the worst team that Boca could have been drawn yes. against, were Deportivo Pereira from, of course... Yeah, Boca's I mean, group. Boca were likely to get an easier team because they finished first in the group. Mm. Fortunately, River finished second. You know. Fortunately, it's not River Boca because media will be insufferable from this from today until the first of August or second. Mm. I'll probably get it 
out of the way in the last 16, to be honest. Well, you say that, but as when you stepped out for a cigarette during the halftime break, Andres and I were talking a little bit about it, and Andres informs me, because I've not seen the full knockout breakdown, that River and Boca can't meet before the final. And that suggests quite strongly to me that it's not going to happen, so we don't need to worry about it. And that's preferable to getting out of the way at all, isn't it? Yeah, but if they win a couple of games each, then it'll just get talked about and talked about and talked about. Yes, Rather just get out of the way in the last 16. From, from what I've seen so far, I think it's going to be... I don't, I don't find it unimaginable because of their record in recent years and because of their ceiling, if you like. Uh, but I don't, I don't see River getting to the final, and I just, I, I don't think Boca are going to get there. They can get past Nacional. Well, I, I, I told you off the record that the Boca will face Palmeiras on semi-finals yeah. and River Flamengo. If I mean things... that semi-final is just hideous, and I don't want to even imagine <laughs> having to watch it. But, but yeah, who, who would they have in the quarters? Racing or Atlético Nacional. Mm, okay, that one. Maybe manageable, but I, I just I can't see them getting to the final. It's been too long, yes. and, and they've they've lost the, the habit, and now they're not good at domestic level at all. Yeah. Either. If River passes uh, international, it will be Olympia, uh, Olympia, not sorry, uh, Bolivar or Atlético Paranaense. Yeah. Uh, not not so. I think it's even even easier than perhaps international. If you, I mean, uh, in the previous mm. uh, matches, but uh, although you do have to. Head up to, um, hang on, where do Bolivar play? Do they play at altitude? I'm getting them. Yes, they do. they do. They do. Extreme altitude. Of course they do. So you, you don't have to head up to La Paz, which is, I guess. Yes, River wasn't good at, uh, at the, the La Paz with uh, the strongest, but yeah. Um, yeah. And Argentina Fluminense, I think it's clear there who will. Well, go you say that, but I'm just I'm, I'm wondering. Because Argentinos mm. picked up some yes. impressive results during the group stage. I mean, could they pull a surprise? They could be. Let's just remember they narrowly lost to Independiente del Valle in the what turned out uh, what we already knew at the time, of course, was going to be the, the match to decide who won the group. Um, but they beat Liverpool at home, and Liverpool are currently ahead of Nacional in the Uruguayan League. I just checked that one. Rather strange in in the one of the group stages of the Uruguayan League. I'm not sure what the structure is exactly. They drew with Corinthians. Um, they beat Corinthians in San Paulo, um, and they beat Independiente del Valle here in Buenos Aires. So maybe you know if they don't get ideas above their station and have a complete defensive shit show like River did in Rio. Um, Apparently, they're trying to bring Andres Iniesta in for the ride. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Dan, say that again for those of us who weren't quite ready for you to speak that sentence. Andres Iniesta is now without a club at 39. He had a very uh, emotional send-off from Vissel Kobe in Japan, mm. where he's been very good. Um, he's not retiring. He's not retiring. Uh, he's friends with Milito, perhaps. He's very good friends with uh, Gabriel Milito. Yeah. And Melito said that he's reached out to Iniesta to see if he fancies playing for Argentinos for the rest of the year. Wow. Yeah. That that would be... He was one of my favourite players when he was... Oh, Christ, yeah. Uh, I'm going to say young. He's, if I remember his, birth, his date of birth rightly, he's like four days younger than me. Uh, even though he looks about ten years older. <laughs> um... Oh, that, would, that would be amazing. It would be fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I've no idea whether he's any good anymore, but it would just be 
I'd, I'd really like yes, to see that. He's been great in Japan, by all accounts. Just because of him watching him, him play here will be shocking. Yeah. In fact, I would go to watch the first the first yeah, leg of I the Argentinos against Fluminense. I could pretty much walk to Argentinos <laughs> Stadium from where I live if I'm <laughs> feeling ambitious. Um, yeah, no, I'd be, I'd be a, that would be, yeah. But it is, is this certain or...? or no, 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 uh, so. It's like the... Melita wants it to happen. Um, um, it's a long way between right. that and it's actually happening. Um, walk on the moon. But we can dream. We can dream. Um, have we forgotten any Argentine clubs? No, we haven't. We've covered them all in yeah. some manner. Um, all I'll say is... But we should ask Dan, let yeah. uh, ask him about Racing, because we mentioned this very, very, very fleetingly, but what kind of chance do you reckon they've got? I think it all hangs on whether Edwin Cardona, who is leaving Racing now, Signs with his uh, boyhood club, Nacional. Atletico Nacional. If he does, then I think Racing have a very good chance. Um, <laughs> and Racing will have Agustin Almendra. This is true. He hasn't played for three years, but we'll see. Um, I mean, Atletico's last game was a 1-0 defeat at home to Padronado. Um, they had, you know, the shittest group by far in the Libertadores. Got for it fairly um, handily. Uh, yeah, they took their foot off the gas for that last match. Yeah, it seems like they were playing a youth team, to be yeah. honest, because their average age was um, 22. Yeah, we, we talked last week about how it was you know, very impressive from Patronato's point of view, a fair play mm. to them, but what we didn't mention was, see. was that. Who have they got? Any... I mean, it's quite a young team anyway, um, even when they're actually trying. Doran Pavon is the older yeah. statesman. That's a blast from the past. Um, Very older statesman. Yeah, 35. Okay, I was going to guess more than that, but okay. No. Jefferson Duque as well, 36. Um, if they're starting with Pavon and Cardona, I'd feel quite a bit better about this um, <laughs> this team, but it does seem like they've gone for a bit of a rebuilding because it was always one of these, pla- these teams that brought in loads of players from Argentina, a little bit of, uh, you know, aspirations of being a giant and then every few years they go bust and have to start all over again it feels like mm-hmm. seems like they're starting a little bit more from the grassroots like trying to bring young players up and yeah can't say a huge amount more than that I mean they made as I say they made yeah they finished second in in a group where the third best team was Patronato mm. so well done there but they have Libertadores pedigree as well. And Racing are not very good. So, no. You know, there's that to yes. contend with as well. But they had this thing of the playing much, much better than the Copa Libertadores than... Yeah, or as I suggested mm. after the first or second match of the Libertadores this year, maybe it's just that we forget how much stronger the Argentine league is than the rest of the continent. Maybe yes. actually, or continental. Well, that's something... This is true. This is yes. true. That's something, yes, uh, good to say because I think it's clearly the best team, but against who? And of course, I watched play Cologne yesterday, last night, and, and you say, yes, of course River was better. And was playing good, well football, uh, uh, good football, but uh, uh, the, the, the bar is quite low. Uh, yes. you, perhaps Tacheres is uh, a physical a bit of Argentine juniors. Cody Cruz is not playing well. They, well. Not because they lost they defeat Boca O'Neill, but they, they uh, got a draw against Tacheres 1-1 in Cordoba. Mm which is a, 
Assim, ainda não vou de play de, de lost the match at Córdoba. Assim, Talleres didn't lose at Córdoba. Uh, or well, but uh, but four or five teams are the ones who are really, really you say, ah, this is a good team. So yes, mm. the Liga, the Argentine League. Is... Tacheres have lost three ah, okay. home matches ah, this, okay. this year. I, wow. I, I thought. I don't think it was that many either, but it is. Um, yeah. Unbeaten home teams in the league this season are <laughs> Rosario Central and San Lorenzo. Well, oh, there we go. Wasn't expected. That's what we always expected. Indeed. Anybody unbeaten away? Uh, was San Lorenzo the one, yes. Mm. Because, yes, Rio will, will face them now. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, was that Suramericana? Yes, but we talked about that. Oh, sorry. Uh, sorry, I, I'm going to just clarify after that little noise there. Last week our uh, tripod broke, so we've currently got the microphone just balanced on a cardboard box, and I just accidentally swept it away <laughs> with uh, swept away the, the cord to my headphones there. So sorry about that. Um, yeah, we talked last week about the playoffs in the Super Canada. So but we got the fixtures now. We had them last week as well. Did we? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah, because we already knew who finished third in the Libertadores. They'd, they'd done it before, and we talked about it last week, and then I forgotten. Ah, the only thing we know is who the teams who are already in the last 16 will play. I think that's... Oh, uh, they've drawn that as well, have they? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, in that case, do you want to tell us who those teams are? And if you want to know about the playoffs, you can listen back to last week's episode. Uh, Defensive Cordicia, well, I'm going to say them anyway now, will play the winner of... I'll scroll back down to do this. Cristal or Emelec. Guarani of Paraguay will play Padranato or Botafogo. Mm-hmm. Liga de Quito will play Nublense or Audax Italiana or Chilean Clash. Sao Paulo will play the winner of San Lorenzo and Independiente de Medellín. Mm-hmm. Goyesh will play Barcelona of Ecuador or Estudiantes. Newells will play Coritiba or I'm guessing that's Universitario, yeah. No, Corinthians or Universitario. We'd see them in the Sudamericana. Mm-hmm. Uh, where was I? Fortaleza will play Libertad or Tigre. And Bragantino, Rebel, will play Colo Colo or America Mineiro. Wonderful. There you go. Thank you for that. And those game, the first, the playoff games will be next week, oh. and the other week. And uh, just to be ultra completist, I was misremembering Andres Iniesta's date of birth. He is one month and one week younger than me. Oh. Not four days younger than me. I don't know who was born on the eighth of April, but um, somebody might have been in that, or I've just made that up. I'm sure someone was. Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming somebody famous who plays football <laughs> was for me to misremember it like that. But anyway. Uh, shall we see whether we've had any listeners' questions? I saw we have one at least. We have had. Uh, we might have had one the we? death last week. Yes. Uh, we did have one late last week. I can't see any notifications. Yeah, I've got one this week. Uh, uh, now I've clicked on the notifications tab. It gives me a That will help. Welcome to Elon Musk's Twitter, everybody. Um, too late for last week, but well in time for this week. Ben Cable asks, first of all, love the pod. Thank you very much, Ben. Have been listening since 2020. My question is about Valentin Barco, who was so impressive in Boca's Libertadores win versus Monagas. Do you think he's ready for a move to Europe yet? And have you heard of any interest from any European 
Lappes. Kyllä se on tämmöinen Argentina, come on, niin peli ei se. Now he needs to kick on at least a year or something. And if he plays as a right, uh, as a left back, not as a left midfielder, because mm. Arbiron is starting to make him play more, more ahead in the left league. wing, yeah. Yes. Out of necessity, admittedly, because yes, of course, they don't have anyone else there. Yeah, they've got Frank Fabra at left yeah. back. So and so score the goal, of course, but... Yeah. I, I think any um, game time that he gets from that is, is going to be a positive and develop his... Yes. His versatility, but I would agree that yeah, he probably needs a, another year here at least. Um, yeah. And apparently in April, end of April, Boca turned down a four million dollar bid from the City Group, not even a club. Just oh, okay. The City Group. Hmm. Okay. I hate football. Well, football. Uh, and Pahlawan, ever trustworthy for asking us questions, says after a decent performance by Tigres number nine, who is deciding not to name for some reason, Matteo Rategi. Can you give us another name that Roberto Mancini appreciates having in his would appreciate? I'm guessing having in his Azzurri team. He doesn't have the intention to call up 38-year young Mauro Bosselli, does he? Am I older than Mauro Bosselli? <laughs> <laughs> Please tell me that's a typo. He's been around forever. Um, yeah, I think we can yeah. mention that. Uh, yeah, I think. Bruno Sapelli. I'm a year and a month and a half older than him. Oh God! <laughs> I, I think we mentioned Bruno Sapelli. Mm. I don't know whether he's already has been already called up or he is in the point of being called up. Mm. Uh, the at least uh, he has the Italian flag when you look at Promiedos as he's Italian. So yeah, uh, mm. and uh, it was said, but as a rumor more than something certain that Lucas Beltran was also in the radar of yeah. Mm. Um, Bosselli, by the way, uh, has played two matches for Argentina. He played on the Maradona. Yeah, he did. Um, So I'm guessing, although obviously he's not played that third match, Mm. but given his age combined with those two appearances, I don't think he'd be eligible for for Italy, um, even though he does have an Italian passport. Uh, So that answers the more jokey part of Papaman's question. Um, No, other than that, I'm not sure. I don't know whether there are any. Who... Spring to, I mean, about half of the players of the league are likely to have Italian yeah. passports. Uh, Cristiani is the one that always seems to come up, the young Vélez lad. Mm. But uh, I think he'd be ready right now um, for the future, maybe. And Senesi, I think, is another one who was doubting whether to... Because I think he has already been tempted or at least uh, had talks with Mancini or yeah, something. he's playing in... Fiorentina. In Bournemouth. Or or how or or oh, what, yes, or whatever you you you, now, yeah. you pronounce it. Yeah, Bournemouth. That's, that's ah. good. But I, I was just uh, has he played? For, he's played in Italy, right? I feel like. Yes, or or, or, or his surname is, is quite Italian. Oh no no! I'm not disputing that he's got an Italian passport. I was just trying to remember. What. Oh no, Feyenoord, San Lorenzo, Feyenoord, and now Bournemouth. Uh, so he hasn't. I, I thought he played for Fiorentina. So I've got him mixed up with mm. somebody else. Pensano, probably. He definitely played for Fiorentina. And has also definitely played many times for Argentina and would not be eligible for Italy. But, anyway, there we go. Um, in short, no, Mauro Bosselli isn't going to get a call-up. Um, That's a shame. But there are some other names that Mancini may or may not be looking at, depending on how desperate Italy get. Uh, and they are champions of Europe, even though, obviously, from down here, looking at it from a World Cup perspective, we're all laughing at them and continuing <laughs> to laugh at them because they've not been involved. Uh, but thank you for the question, Bahawan. Uh, and for now, 
That's it. So we'll be back after this music and I will give you my predictions for the weekend to come. The weekend had a bit to come, really, because I thought, well, I mean, I may as well. No, hang on, I predicted these matches last week, didn't I? So I'm not going to predict Team Nasty Independiente or Central Cordoba Newens. I will tell you, to save myself having to do this later on a separate file, that Tacheres have beaten Salmiento 1-0, and also Argentinos Instituto ended 0-0, and that means that River can't win the league this weekend. Um, oh, hang on, no it doesn't. No, they can win the league this weekend, but they can't win the league before Tacheres next play. Uh, River are nine points clear, there are currently 12 points to play for, and that means that if River beats San Lorenzo on Saturday, uh, they will then need to wait and see whether Tacheres fail to beat Union on, on Monday. Uh, if they win, they if River wins, they will have their first place. There'll be 12 points clear, Tacheres will have 12 to play for, but they're getting in hand, and then if Tacheres fail to beat Union on Monday... They will have their first place uh, safe, I mean. Yeah. Um, so, without further ado, let's go into my predictions for the weekend. Estudiantes versus Racing is going to finish in a draw. San Lorenzo versus River. As we said a few minutes ago, San Lorenzo one of two unbeaten at home teams in the league, but I think that River will get the win. Um, Instituto versus Tigre. Draw. Platense versus Sarmiento, I think is a Platense win. Beles, I'm going to go for a third consecutive victory at home to Godoy Cruz. That should be an interesting game given that both of those two teams formed recently. Though. Defensive Justicia versus Lanús, I think will be a Lanús win. Banfield versus Arsenal is a Banfield win. Barracas Central versus Argentinos is a draw. Colón versus Belgrano is a Belgrano win. Tacheres versus Union. I'm going for a Tacheres win, which would mean River would be nine points clear with nine to play for. Boca versus Huracan is going to be a Boca win. Rosario Central versus Central Cordoba, Classico Centralense, is going to be a Central win. So I think I've just predicted both of the... No, I've not. I've predicted one of the remaining... Um, two unbeaten home records to stand, but I predicted River to beat San Lorenzo, didn't I? So that one's going to fall. Independiente versus Newells is a draw, and Atletico Tucumán versus Gimnasia, I think it's a Gimnasia win, maybe. Let's, yeah, let's go with that. Uh, some interesting matches. Should be, some, yeah. Not so interesting matches. Um, if we weren't all so fatigued from winning <laughs> games every day, yeah, it might even be worth watching. Indeed, yeah. And, and I feel like, it's, obviously, it, it's, it's nice to, not just because it's the, you know, the team who I am most sympathetic towards in the league, but it's nice to see, it's kind of nice when, when we have a, a league season where one of the teams is just as competent as River are mm. and, and just as together and, and, and team-like, um, almost regardless of, of which kind of football they're playing, really. Um, but it does. It's kind of a shame when you get to this point where there are three games to go and the league's going to be decided already. Like mm. there are some leagues in Europe that would kill to have that level of competition, but in Argentina it seems a bit like, oh, 
You mean we're not going to get an Asto decider or a mm. penultimate? Yeah, we'll be done yeah considering nothing else is at stake. There's not yeah. relegation, there's not cut places, anything. Exactly, it's just, yeah. It's, it's just a little bit like, you know, we're kind of twiddling our thumbs now. Yeah. If River becomes champion, he will be... He will have something in common with Marcelo Gallardo, the former River coach, which is that to become champions of the league just in their, on their first experience as a coach. Because Marcelo Gallardo, as a national of Uruguay, yeah, had the same. Although Debbie Chelis was in charge of Bayern B, of course, Bayern two. Yes, uh, for a yeah, but spy. not a not a professional. Uh, it's a more. It was most more like a, they're in the pyramid, but obviously they, yeah. they can't become champions because they're not allowed to be promoted to the same level as Bayern. I think it can. And also, from what I heard, his results in Bayern two actually weren't that good, so there was never any danger of that happening anyway. Um, but yeah, cool. Anyway, thank you very much indeed for listening. Once again, and goodbye from Andres. Thank you, goodbye. English down. Goodbye. And me, thank you, and goodbye.